0: Welcome to episode number 172 of the Applelog Podcast. I'm your host, Simon Head. Hey, Amazon shoppers, you want to help the show out? Yes, you do. Go to applelogca slash Amazon or applelogca slash US Amazon. And if you go to those links, bookmark them. And every time you shop on Amazon, you will be supporting the show. Cost you no extra money. Um, you can do it the old way by going to applelog.ca and click on those links on the right side. Locate your country. Hey, yeah. Help the show out. It really does help the show out. Actually, it's very cool. It's amazing what people buy on Amazon. They buy everything, everything, everything. If you want to support the show out on a monthly basis, go to Patreon.com/slash/Appalog. You can pledge as much or as little as you want on a monthly basis to help with hosting and gas fees. You can cancel anytime. If you want to go buy a T-shirt, go to Appalog.ca/shop. And there's some music for sale there as well. And uh, iTunes folks, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. The show, give it five stars, please. It very, It's very helpful with the ranking and everything. You can also, if you want to follow what's happening on the show or you want to catch up on news, which has been a little slow, and I am a day late because I had a cold, but I'm getting better now, you can go to facebook.com slash and follow me on Twitter at simonhead666. Today on the show, I have uh, J.P. Wasson, who is in the band called The Discarded. He's originally from a band called Snow Dogs, which is an old, well, it's a Toronto sort of a a staple punk rock, uh, stapled punk rock band in Toronto's history of punk rock. um, But we're here to talk about The Discarded. He has a family band out with his his two sons. And uh, the album's called Manifesto, and it's coming out on February 24th. It was recorded with Ian Blurton, so you know it's going to sound good. And I'm going to play you one song. The song is called Janitor
1: Joe.
0: show by the band the discarded and and it's on coming out february 24th actually doing some shows with lois low a band i'm working for at the end of the month or start of the next month actually and uh so here they go here it is jp was on on the Apolog podcast hey it's joel hey joel it's simon head calling how are you
1: Good, good, good to hear you, buddy.
0: Yeah, man. I think we met before. Really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, it might have been through snow dogs, I think back in the olden, olden days.
1: Yeah, I was in that, man. <laughs>
0: yeah, I knew Ron really well.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Me and Ron were roommates for a while.
0: I actually have a funny Ron story. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> I was trying to hitch a ride back with a band he was working for called Another White Male back to Vancouver. And uh, they ended up in Toronto and they were going to meet me there. And then I. I went to go jump in the van with him after the next day to drive, sort of head back towards Vancouver, and there was no Ron. I'm like, where's Ron? He goes, um, we got to his apartment, and all this shit was in his front yard. So his girlfriend had thrown all of his stuff out of the window uh, and kicked him out of yes. the house. Yeah,
1: That has happened to Ron before. <laughs> Hmm. Yeah, we had, I've got a few funny Ron stories as well, just mostly uh, not having cigarettes and being in really bad moods. So (laughs) we used to actually buy him cigarettes so that he wouldn't be in a bad mood. Like other people who didn't smoke would go, well, we'll get Ron cigarettes so we don't have to deal with that.
0: (laughs) He's He's a good man.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, we did, we started explaining together, right? Like he started doing that with Ian and me and Neil, who was also in Snow Dogs, we started doing the distribution on our first tour for that.
0: Oh, wow. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, um, well, I guess we're talking about your new, I guess your new band is a family band, right? It's a family band?
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, me and my two sons, actually. Caden, who's 15, he plays drums, and Jarrett, who's uh, uh, 19 now, just turned 19 a couple of weeks ago, is the bass player.
0: What's it like, man? Having your kids, it must feel pretty weird.
1: Well, you know we've known them for life, but it's, yeah. it's kind of, it's a band and band has its own dynamics. And it's like kind of relating to them in a different way. Now it's like, I don't treat them like children. Uh, I do when it's sort of the dad sort of part of it and we live together. But like when we're in a band, it's like, everyone has an opinion. Everyone has to be involved in it. Right. It's not like dictatorship. It's more like uh, your bandmates, right? You've been in a band, you know, the whole idea, there's whole that whole dynamic. So it's, it's nice to deal with them in a peer to peer sort of way. And I don't know, when I was 15, I was 19, I had like fully formed ideas about the world was about in that. So I don't need to, they're bright guys. I don't need to treat them like idiots, you know?
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, it's good that you can have this experience with with your kids that you had at kind of the same age they were, only it's escalated a little bit higher. You know, you're playing in clubs with like real PA systems and it's not like playing in your garage and sort of it's giving him a little leg up, which I think is probably rewarding as a parent.
1: Yeah, well, it's sort of, uh, you know, it's it's kind of a neat thing. The angle is, oh, you guys are related. Oh, he's only 15, and I'm just, we're kind of like, yeah, that works now. But, like, they're only going to care. Are you okay at what you do? Mm -hmm. Is that song a good song or not a good song? So that can only take you so far. You better have the goods and do it. Now the funny thing was, is yeah, we started off just kind of playing around in the basement and we started very garage Rocky and we recorded our first album a year ago when they were only playing for about seven months. And, uh, our fifth show was like opening for the Sonics at, at the Danforth Music Hall. So it's, I'm like, well, you guys have peaked. It's all downhill from now, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, 20 years from now, it's Elvis Monday and a couple of beer tickets. So enjoy it while you can.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what? You're playing some shows uh, coming up with Lois Hello, and I'm going to actually be tour managing that tour. So uh, Really? Yeah. So Great we'll be able on. to hang out and, have a pop yeah, and hang fair, out man. yeah i know i know yeah. it's very to me it's a very special moment because i've always been a big lowest low fan i like his i like ron's ethics i like his personal yeah. um, approach to music and he just keeps putting records out every year after year after year and never yeah, stops you know,
1: I, i've always liked ron's voice i like his songwriting so yeah uh we knew each other when he played in my buddhist childhood we did shows together with snow dogs and him and then he's uh, like his ethic is that what you talk about there so it's like I, I you know i go hey ron like we know each other and that and i'm going here's, here's my album i'm doing right and he listen to it goes that's pretty damn good and i go oh well, that's cool you, you, i know you probably don't control this you probably have people who book you but if you ever get a chance we'd love to open for you and he's just like actually you know man i control the bands that open on our tour and that we don't leave that to the promoters we like to be involved and you know give it back and that's that's the way he's always been. So it's really kinda of cool that he did that for us and gave us a couple of shows so we can play in front of their audience as a new band. That's that's fantastic, you know. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's definitely and you do find like playing music as long as you have that kind of the the the, the bridges you make and the, the friends you make, they all kind of the good ones stick around, right?
1: Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And and that's that's kinda of, like I just laugh like even my kids and something yeah, I've known this guy 20 years, man. I've known this guy 25 years, sort of thing. Like, you know, and and they'd laugh at some of the stories that, you know, oh, who don't you know? And I go, well, Toronto's music community wasn't that huge. And it wasn't that elitist. And you're right. The good people were good people. And you didn't really care what band they sort of played in or what sort of music they played. either a good guy or not a good guy. And that's what you kind of gravitate to. And that's kind of a big thing here that we're about now. I go, don't don't, don't get a swelled head. Don't be an asshole. You know, just be enjoy the people, you're going to make some great sort of people that you're going to be your friends for life, and you're going to meet them through music. And probably the same for you, like the people that you you gravitated through and could be lifelong friends of these people that you've known for years and years through these band contacts.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. You know? And it's very strong and, and it's powerful because the, pe- yeah. the people that stick around are usually the, the neat, cool, interesting people. And tend like the sort of scenester kind of pricks and assholes kind of seem to... Fla- fall away, yeah. and it's it's like a it's like they were, Darwinism. They were in it for the
1: wrong reason, right? Yeah. They were in it for the fame, or they were in it for the ego. They weren't in it because they were musicians. They weren't in it, like look for the people that are real and the ethics that they had that were probably encompassed in their music and how they carried themselves and how they dealt with people is going to go across everything there. And you're right; those people stayed around, and the and the fly the fly by night the guy. Oh, I wasn't famous in in two minutes, and no one thought I was the greatest thing since ever. You know. Mm-hmm. Go away because you know their their fragile eggshell mind got crushed very quickly.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I I have a teenager. He's he's uh, he's fourteen. Um He's the coolest dude in the world, and I used to be the coolest dad in the world. Do you have the same sort of? Did you have that dynamic before? Is it is it coming back now? That or has it always been your your kids of Because my kid like thinks like there's gonna be a time now. My kid four years from now going, you know what? You're a pretty good guy, and I'll go. Yeah, you know what? You're a pretty good guy too. <laughs> So at this moment, well, you know, do you have how do you how do you deal with a, a hormonal crazy teenager and not just one I, I get, but two of them?
1: Well, you know, the, the older one's a more serious one. He's an older soul, so he's we've always been fairly close in that way. That he's always not really fit in with a teenager sort of crowd. He's ran with his own thing, done his own sort of thing, thinks his own way. Uh, and the other one, the fifteen-year-old, it's just like they're always going to be a certain things like, Dad, you're old you're this you're cringy you know there's always going to be that aspect but they also go well dad you've done a lot of stuff i've never done and and you played in rock bands and either i bring it or i don't and i can still kind of play and i can still kind of do it and he's a drummer and i was originally a drummer right so it's not like he can go well i'm just a way better drummer than you dad i "Well, move over i'll show you a few things (laughs) i used to be able to play faster than humanly possible too and can do it but Probably not for as extended period of time as I used to.
2: No. no, no. So, no yeah. That's there's true. a bit
1: of there's a bit of well, you know, I still got my chops, I still did that, right? And look, here's this song that I just wrote and here's these lyrics and they go, Oh, that's that's pretty good and I go, Yeah, I still got a few tricks up my sleeve.
0: Yeah. Well that's to me to me that's a. as a musician, I've been a musician my whole life. It's tough to um try to you know, my kids are, are you know, I, I love my kids for their free thought and how they how they can sort of have their own world in it and, and but for me what i've always noticed sort of as a parent it's a fine line i'm sure you can agree with this is is if your kids can kind of vicariously live through you that's maybe a little easier that if, if that they actually have their own direction in life rather than saying you know i was a rock and roller and you're going to be a rock and roller too and your father was a rock and roller it's like you know yeah
1: I, yeah no, well, they got to chose this. Uh, they're not doing this because I want them to do it. It wouldn't, it wouldn't have gone anywhere. They, they had to be committed. And they wanted to do it. And I guess we grew up, they kind of grew to that. They like a rock-based stuff. They like drums. They like guitars. Like, And that's not me forcing it upon them. I guess it was around them. I yeah. guess they listen to it, you know, at Christmas time, I didn't buy the Christmas album, I bought the classic rock album. So, you yeah. know, they got Stooges one Christmas and they got a Kiss album the next Christmas and that's what they listen to. And they've got a pretty eclectic musical taste and, and knowledge. And uh, I guess they like the sound of rock and roll and they're into and punk rock and that's what they play. That was just kind of the music they grew up with and then kind of became their own music so they either got to be into it or not i can't force them and this would never go any farther they just having a little fun in the basement mm-hmm. if they weren't personally into it themselves or had input to what was going on
0: sort of thing yeah i always say to my so, kids you know okay. uh yeah i was touring all over the world and playing in bands and having fun and you know but you know you'd make a great lawyer <laughs> <laughs> dad, yeah, dad yeah. needs support when uh you know when dad gets a little older dad might need a little bit of you know help on the uh Getting out of something, you know?
1: Well, you know, you know, my, 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 my drummer one, the 15-year-old, he's like, don't wait, Dad. I'm going to become an electrician. You can live at home. I'll take care of you. I go, I'm uh, holding you to it, man. You're 15. I'm holding you to it. All right? But no, <laughs> that's cool. I'm just saying, you might have a different point of view when you get to be 22 or 23 and have a, a wife or a girlfriend who wants to not have Dad living in the
0: basement, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, yeah, as a parent, you always kind of want to make – your kids, sort of self-sufficient, and sort of put them off into the world. But you got to think 50 years down the road and go, hmm, okay, well, I need some help uh, wipe my butt when I get a little older, you know. <laughs>
1: yeah, I wiped like yours. It's your turn now, son. <laughs> uh, they're, they're they're pretty cool, actually. They're they're nice guys, and I, they they think for themselves, and they're good guys. So yeah. they, it's kind of a good it's a good thing that they're not they're they're just, you know I like them as people. And you're right about teaching them via you know like we're at a point where we live all together and you know uh you know we got into a situation about three years ago where it was like the three of us for the first time kind of living in this house together and and coming out of when you know when when our marriage my wife and I went our separate ways that it was like oh okay so it's us together now how are we gonna live and do that sort of thing and I'm just it's kind of like they learn to be a lot more self-sufficient i'm making the lunch dad and i'll get the dinner started before you're home from work and i'm throwing my laundry in. So you're right what can we give to them well by the end of it you know i hope you can take care of yourself on a personal level yeah. and that you, you know from a mental level that you're actually a, a half decent human being who thinks for yourself and it's kind right yeah so
0: yeah well that sounds really cool i mean it sounds like uh like a family that all pitches in together is definitely you know uh I guess it's a waking up period, you know, going through a, a separation or whatever that the kids feel like they need to sort of pitch in. That's some, you know what? That never really gets taught. That's not really taught. That's sort of an anomaly. You know what I mean? Like, in my opinion, I don't know much about it. Yeah, you know. yeah.
1: Like, we talk about that. That's, it's ironic that you used to learn that, but you don't. And maybe it almost needs to be a, a school course of how to do some banking, how to cook for yourself, yeah. how to do your laundry. Yeah. You know, like those are the, how to put the garbage out on a Tuesday night so it doesn't all build up. Like just these sort of basic life skills that just aren't there, right? And it's yeah. just like, hey, guys, be self-sufficient, you know? If you're going to even get in a relationship, it shouldn't be because you're looking for a new mom. It should be because it's a, a partnership, right? Yeah,
0: so, yeah. Well, and the other thing that you can't teach teenagers is empathy, and it sounds like there's a lot of it in your family, and that's pretty special.
1: Yeah, yeah, like this, that's it's you know, it's not funny, but it's nice that there is a a good underlying love and a good and it kind of helps when you go out in the road that these aren't two guys who, Hey, you know, we hung out and we're buddies, but now we're living together and we're in a car and we got to decide where we eat and we might get one room that we're sleeping in. We've done that already. Yeah. And we like and we like each other sort of thing yeah. you know i'm not saying that it's, it's perfect rosy rosy there's still like who the hell left the stuff in the sink and you know who's yeah. doing the dishes and why didn't you unload the dishwasher sort of crap that you always get right like mm. I, i'm not carrying everything but you have that in a house when you were just living with three guys of course either yeah. your kids or not sort of thing right like yeah. there's always someone who picks up and someone doesn't so yeah i know it's, it's it's pretty cool that way and it's from a band standpoint It does give you a bit of a leg up that, you know, a family is almost like a a commune collective and a band is like a commune collective. And that's one of the things that it's not really musical difference that always breaks up a band. It's usually like, I hate the music he plays on the tape deck and I can't stand being in a car with him for five hours. Right.
0: Absolutely. Oh, yeah. That's (laughs) what makes and breaks bands is living in a van with the person. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And I guess as a family, we we used to go on holidays and we travel well together and always have. And you would go to the hockey tournament, or you'd go to the lacrosse game, and you'd be in an arena in a hotel, and you'd be eating out. And that, well, we've done all that together, yeah. and we actually like kind of doing that together. Now it's not that different. We go to Ottawa, you know. We're playing that night. We're out. Let's let's check out the city. Let's check out this, uh, you know, the War Museum or the art gallery. Oh, let's you know go out for dinner here. And then, and guess what? At the end of the night, we get to go on stage, play, and make a little bit of money, and that's cool. You know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, you know, there's a really good uh, basis of you know when when music like especially punk rock music, it, there's always like a a sense of what makes it to me. I know uh, enjoyable is that there's a sense of like um, honesty, and and, and like yeah. when I hear I hear the 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 record you've just or you were just putting it out. Actually, I just got it. It sounds, you know what I mean, like it feels good. There's some snare fills in there. You're like, whoa, you know what I mean? Like that re- you know, you're yeah. like, whoa, that's, that's, they get it. They understand it. They, they, that's, that's something that you don't teach people. Uh, it just, it's in them, you know, it's amazing. Yeah. Wow.
1: No, I was, Caden, uh, there's a, he was 14 when we recorded that. He was 13 when we recorded the first, there's a 14-year-old. He doesn't sound like no 14-year-old on a record. He's rocking it, man. And yeah. you're right. It's a little blitzkrieg, little rolls and cymbals. And that's what really happened over the last year is we, seven months, you recorded the first album. And then we played a whole bunch and we practiced two times a week. We lived together. Let's go downstairs and practice and let's write songs. We got the next album already written before we're going in recording this album. Yeah. And it's sort of like we've played those songs for seven months a year. And you're right. They're just tight. And the band gels together because you're playing so much. And, you're right. It's I don't. They don't care if you're 14 or 15. You're a cool little rock and roll drummer, there, son. You're really bumping the band along.
0: Absolutely. You know, you yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. You know? yeah. And working with Ian Blurton, how how was that? How was yeah. It? He's the man.
1: Well, I've known Ian for a long time, right? Yeah, like yeah me we too. Played together in bands and that. So that it was just great in a sense that you're right. You're going in and it could be a nerve wracking thing, but it's just a nice atmosphere, right? Like we rehearse for about a month without any vocals, and then we record it right live off the floor. The yep. three of us stand in a room doing the bed tracks. Wow. And then with Ian, you know, he's going to capture that sound. He's going to get it. He gets it. Right. Oh, yeah. So you're working with someone where you don't have to explain what you're going for. We all come from the same background. We all get it. And then he's just, he's just, you know, he's Ian. He can be cankerous He's funny. He's a great guy. He's real. Right. Oh, so he's yeah. a good guy to deal with. He'll tell you when it's bullshit and he'll tell you when it's real. Yes. You know, like. First album he was he was just like, Okay, this is a thirteen year old drummer, they don't even play for seven months. Hey, we think we got a good take. Great. This album he's just like, No guys, you can do it better. Go do another take. Go do another take. No, I think there's a better one in you. So he pushed us a bit more because he saw we we we'd kind of advanced as a band and he wanted to get down that good take. So playing it, uh, working with Ian was great. First album, we recorded the whole thing in nine hours. Everything. <laughs> this album, yeah, everything. Like the vocals, everything. The overdubs. Well, we didn't do many overdubs. Just like doubled some guitars here and there. This album, we doubled it and did it in two days. You know, like, that's, a, that's absurd. Like, you know, it's good that we didn't, you know, most drummers can crumble, right, under yeah. that sort of stress. They didn't know. They just thought it's just like playing in the basement, Dad. Oh, what, we got to play the song through a few times? Yep. Yeah. You know. We're yeah. nose to nose. We're sitting there. We're going through it. It's no different. Let's just get a good feel, a good rocking sort of thing out of it. Ian's capturing that sound, and it's a great sound in the studio. And you know he's going to mix it with that that rock punk rock intensity, right?
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I worked and, with him in the early two thousands, sort of like uh, with my band, and and it was an interesting concept because he he did he did he was like a he didn't say much, but he said everything when he said little words. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Yeah, and we go back, so it's like he doesn't have to dress things up with us. We I mean, just sort of like talk straight to each other and that. But uh, yeah, like he got he got a great sound, and I just love the way he mixes. He puts everything right in the mix. There's like three instruments, and you you hear all three instruments, but the vocals are kind of sitting where they should be, and the the bass is sitting where it should be. And he knows how to record guitars, he knows how to record drums, and kind of really great sounding album. I thought we we were at the end of it. We were wow, that sounds great, man.
0: Yeah. No, definitely he. And when he went over to computers, that was like a thing that I never thought he'd do. Because he worked with uh, when he was at Chemical, he he was all strictly two inch tape and was really sort of anti computers just for the sake. But I think what he's done with computers is approached it more like a tape machine as opposed to uh, you know trying yeah. to fix things and make it make it good. He he just gets it good, and because hard yeah, drives yeah. hard drives are cheap, right?
1: yeah i think there if anything there comes an economy of recording that way then instead of tape but he's still got his like his his sort of tube drivers and stuff that he puts everything through to get that overall warm sound to begin with right mm-hmm. and then it's just gonna you know you could say, well, we record everything everything on tape everything on tape but ultimately it's going to be a digital forum that they listen through it on anyway
0: oh yeah for sure People,
1: yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. so yeah
0: and he he gets so, it and, too oh yeah
1: yeah yeah you know uh this is the only way we can really record. Like we can't afford to go in for a week to two weeks in a studio and do that sort of thing. Right. We got to be like, Hey, and, and, and the sort of band we are, you want to get that. This is what we sound like. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. There's, you know, if you start producing over producing things, it, it won't, uh, there's something honest about the um, three people and you hear the three instruments and you hear it played by humans. And, and that's something that I think we're missing these days, especially with, like, punk rock and things, like, uh, I hear a lot of stuff and you go, oh, man, why Why do they do that? Why does it have that weird clicky kick drum sound? And, why is you know, why does it sound like a robot played yeah. it, you know? And Well, I
1: think that people are still throwing the, the backing crap down underneath. It, the kind of thing we funny was uh, I was driving my son, we're just downtown checking out a show of a band he likes, and we were talking today, he goes, you know, punk rock and rock and roll, is, it's going to be underground again. It's going to be like it's not going to be a mainstream thing and that's kind of cool in a way because it's kind of like you know it would be great if it's everywhere yeah yeah it, that would be fantastic but it's going to be like that like, kind of like an early 50s thing where it was kind of dangerous and and odd and weird if you like that sort of music you know
0: mm-hmm. yeah, everything <laughs> goes they in feel waves that way.
1: yeah <laughs> yeah they feel that way they go my friends don't listen to this at school yeah and i go yeah like my my, my son goes i, I go yeah. his friends find out he's in bands he doesn't even tell them Really? The older one, they wouldn't even believe him when he's telling them stuff, so he just stopped <laughs> telling them, right? Yeah, I played this place. Oh, you didn't play there. Yeah, I did. Show me a picture. Oh, here's a picture. <laughs> you know? <laughs>
0: that's, you know, that's amazing because it's tough to, uh, at that age, to sort of deal with that type of, um, you know, uh, it's tough to not sound braggy, you know, because, you know, you don't have an un- understanding. Sometimes social grace is a funky thing, like, you know, I'm I'm yeah. just sort of in awe because there's a few things that I just notice, sort of like just when I hear you talk and I hear about your band, it's like you sound like fully functional human beings. <laughs> 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 they get, they understand where they're where they're coming from and where they're going, and you know, I, you know, I actually I can't wait can't wait to meet you guys actually because it'll be yeah in almost a month from now.
1: Yeah, no, it's uh it's uh they're good guys. Like that's the 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 best feedback I get is like hey your your kids are they're, they're they're nice guys. Yeah. I go, yeah, they are. Right? They are they're not they're not their heads aren't big and you know, it's just like we keep it keep it real and that's what it's about. Like it really asks us us the do it yourself, the punk rock thing. Punk rock dust is we don't we're not in the uniform or whatever. We just we play it. Mm-hmm. And punk rock dust is thinking for yourself and being open and being kind and and not buying into what you're supposed to buy in just because that's what you're supposed to buy into. It's about Thinking for yourself is really a big theme that we we, we express in this album in the lyrics, and maybe doubting, just swallowing what you're supposed to swallow, you know. Yeah. And that to us is what sort of the punk rock ethic is, and like like you know they get into stuff like they talk about, they're like you know they like Nirvana, right? And then they're like, mm-hmm. uh, and, and we talked about it. And I go, you know, it probably really killed them to look out and those kids who beat them up in high school and treat them like an asshole are the ones that are down front going? go, we love you, we've always loved you, man, you're the greatest, and yeah. he's going, no, you're the people who I'm rebelling against,
0: man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, that happened yeah. a lot to uh, Derek from 741, same thing, he was the, the nerd in school, and people had stuck his head in toilets, and, uh, right. you know, he turned his, he turned it around, it actually, and that's a problem, because it was a tragic tale, because it kind of got the better of him towards the end, he's back on track now, but, you know, right. booze and, and, and drugs got to him, and he couldn't cope with it. I mean, that's the problem. Like, when you become famous at before you're, what, 25? Like, how do you, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, I've never had to have that sort of problem.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I've missed that window as well. And, uh, <laughs> but, you know, it is true. It's, and and I think the other thing about, it, and we talk about being in a band, you are the party. You're there. They give you beer. You're in a place at this particular time. They, we don't. None of us drink. Yeah. They were both underage, and I'm the only driver. So, it'd be like, mm-hmm. beer tickets, we don't care we get popped. Yeah. right it's like, uh, so yeah. the big thing was is that yeah most times yeah you're there there's a long amount of time and there's beer and you are the party and everyone wants to be your best buddy and party with you yeah. and then yeah as a singer or a lead guy or anyone in a band like that people are coming up and going you're great you're great and every day you're hearing how great you are and mm-hmm. that, there's a rush of playing and there's a rush of people telling you that and that yeah sometimes you're trying to get that whole endorphin hit of that and Part of it is the uh, the substances that go with it. Yeah. yeah, that was a great rush of a party. Oh, I'm gonna do that rush of a party again. Well, yeah. you know, you're talking about Ron. I remember we went on our first tour with Snow Dogs. We went out west and came back, and by the time we came back, it was like, you know, they were drinking. You know, you have a beer an hour for eight hours and a few beers while you're on stage. We well, were drinking twelve or sixteen beers a night. Yeah, right. For two to three weeks straight, it's just like that's a that's a hell of a habit to kick cold turkey, right?
0: Oh yeah, especially I to come drummer, home and work. So I didn't yeah.
1: drink. Yeah. Right?
0: have you never drank? Have you always been like? Well, a... I,
1: I drank beer and have the yeah. odd beer, but I was never the. You drum and you're running on the spot as fast as you can. Yeah. Some drummers like that. I I couldn't do that. It would be like, hey, you want to get really drunk and and run as fast as you can? No, that makes me want to throw up. You know, <laughs> plus I had to sing at the same time when I was in the band, right? Yeah. So it was like kind of a, it, it, it was didn't I, I remember getting drinking too much before a few shows where you had a few beers and I was at five beers, which as a lightweight or six beers, that's starting to get you pretty toasted and I'm going oh this is this is no fun.
2: Mm-hmm. I smoked,
1: I was a pothead, I, you know I don't do sure. that anymore, but like that was more my drug of choice right
0: yeah did you did you find that you know like quitting all that or sort of becoming clean and sober was it well not clean and sober, but understanding what getting older is all about right you have to sort of start dealing with i was
1: never a big abuser anyway yeah i like doing it i like getting stoned i guess i stopped getting stoned because i had kids and it wasn't conducive to hey i have to go off to work and i have to do this with the kids and i have to do this and i'm off to this and i'm off to this like i got four kids for you know so it's like it's like i was you know it wasn't i didn't have kids to kind of have them around and just do whatever i do daddy the partier rock star does what he wants i i I kind of just did it right and it, it wasn't like a conscious choice it was just like i still like that stuff and still would do it if, if you know never say never but it's just not something i'm like well hey it's morning let's get stoned right yeah. i just don't do that anymore right
0: yeah and priorities are you know priorities become very important with your family and things like that i I agree, you know, I understand, like, when yeah. people get a little older as musicians, and the, the, the tragic part is if they just keep being broke musicians, and bring people into the world, and then have to, yeah, you know, have well, to, you know, deal with that, you know? Well, it's sort of that
1: thing, I looked at it this way, and I talked, it' it's like, oh, you know, Fred's a great guy, he's so funny, you know, he's he's always smoking pot, and we're getting drunk, and da-da-da, Fred at 30 doing the same fred's such a hassle man all he wants to do (laughs) is get drunk and smoke wine you know like you know he's doing exactly the same thing that fred's always done you know give him a break and there's nothing wrong it's kind of know yourself i got friends who still smoke all the time that's just the way that they exist in their mental state of mind that's cool
2: right
1: i got friends who learned how to drink and they're not alcoholics and you're not an alcoholic just because you like to drink booze or have some wine that's just what you do Mm -hmm. just if it's you know there's other people where it's an all-controlling thing. We've seen it, right? You've been around people and you've watched it going. Oh man, they went down a bad hole with that one, right? Maybe they shouldn't do that. They don't really know how to handle that without it taking over their life. Yeah. Right. And other people, it's just like whatever. That's just one of the spices of life, and they can cook with it. I like oregano. You might not. You know, it's just like whatever. That's one of your spices that you like in your life, right? Yeah, yeah. That's all good. Yeah. But exactly. Know yourself and do what you want to do, sort of thing. As long as you're not. Spiraling down some sort of weird hole that it's being real obsessive and kind of wrecking parts in your life and that, right?
0: Yeah. Speaking of which, Chai Pig just got released from the hospital like the other day because he was in there for a while with, you know, he he's he, he's slipped again. I don't. Do you know Chai Pig?
1: And I don't know him personally, but I yeah. know of asking a few the whole time coming up through. Yeah. But that's it's it's yeah. It's, it's, I have, I have, I played in the band before this one with, uh, and I just found out the bass player died on Saturday of cancer. Right, mm. like the, these sort of hobbies and stuff they have sometimes we're all getting old and Mm -hmm. you know like some of us whatever the roulette wheel is just like oh uh, i got cancer because i smoked my whole life or i got this because i drank or you know uh it seems simple but you like to gulp and the next thing you know you're in the hospital but our organs can't take it and bounce back like they used to, sort of thing, right? It's just like, and sometimes after a while they just go, "Yeah, had a good run, buddy. Uh, don't do it." And then other times it's just like, "Oh, by the way, you know, like this thing in your chest that used to pump blood up until your forties now an unexploded bomb that's just going to attack you one day." So <laughs> maybe you need to eat differently, or you got a high cholesterol, or just whatever—all these yeah. little m- m- little things that kind of creep up on people as they get older, right?
0: Absolutely, <laughs> you know, and it's important to recognize it because we're all not flawless. I mean, we're all not, uh, you know, we all have our individual, you know, vices or whatever that makes yeah. the spice of life is what you said, you know, understanding what, you know, you got to be happy with life and you got to be happy with where you're going yeah. and you have to be happy with the outcome of what you've been doing. And, you know, and when, when you speak, you know, when I hear you speak of music and whatnot, it just feels like it's all been good. And that's great because there's been a lot of people chewed up in this business and they haven't really, Enjoyed, and you know, I and what I do appreciate is that you're sort of bringing your kids into it for the right reasons, as opposed to sort of like trying to teach them you know what I mean, being a cautionary tale of like, well, you don't want to get in this music, yeah. so you don't want to start that racket. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, it's it, but it's they got it. Like even Caden talks about, ah, oh, the drummer. Hi, I go, yeah, you got it. Yeah, you know that whole feeling of you're playing, and it's just all of a sudden like, man, nothing feels better when we make that noise together, and it all comes and. You're like, Oh yeah, we make a wonderful noise, you know? It's
2: yeah. Like yeah. it's
1: pretty cool, huh? Yeah. yeah. The individual parts can add up to something that's much greater. Right. And it's like, yeah, yeah. Right, mm-hmm. you know, there's the melody, there's that baseline, but you know, all on their own, they're just it. But all together, it's it's pretty damn cool,
0: right? Yeah, it's all so yeah, it, it, it all came from you too. It's like it's your loins. It's I mean, that's the whole thing I I, I can I love that it's like this is very cool because it's it's, you know, you created this band. It's like you made it. Like, you're like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like you went uh, searching on Craigslist for like drummer, must be young, you know, must be 15. Uh, well,
1: know. it's funny because Ron, uh, from Lowest to the Low, I sent him the tape, right? And he's like, let's see. just oh, that's really cool, Joel. And then I sent him this other thing about showing a video and saying, oh, you know, uh, intergenerational rock band. And he's like, no shit, man. I thought they were just a couple of young hired guns. These are your damn kids. You got with you. <laughs> and, I'm like, yeah, yeah. and I goes. it blows my mind. Yeah. And I'm like, I know. I, it's just like, yeah, it is cool. It is very cool. And I, I guess, cause I'm doing it. I may not even realize it as other people might think it is that. I just think it's cool that, that they're into it and we're doing it. And we're making this music together and uh, that they want to do it. Right. And yeah. I do see that that is sort of unique. Cause yeah, I don't want to be in a band with dad. And there has been times, even at the beginning where, you know, they didn't want to be a family band. But then they looked fat back, even like Jarrett was like, uh, you know, it's because Hokey playing with my dad. And he kind of went, oh, actually, we've made some pretty good music so I can get by the fact that this is just my dad, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Like there was that sort of realization. Well, we, we're we doing it legitimately, so it doesn't say us up there doing like, you know, sure. the Family Osmond or something like that in a Partridge family.
0: <laughs> well, <clears throat> what I was thinking about while you are talking is that the takeaway from all of this is if your kids choose not to play music anymore and they want to take all these life things they've learned over the past couple of years they'll this is powerful stuff that that's like tools that get you into the world you know it allows you to interact and interface with the world because oh, one yeah. thing that that people of of this age of that age group does is they do switch off and they do really appreciate the the the, the things in life like empathy or or understanding uh, how how things work. It just works for them, you know, like even just computers, you know what I mean? Like it's like they, they understand things and a lot of people take stuff that for granted, that it's just this magic box that makes, you know, thing. But when I was a kid, it was a thing that I could, I, you know, I didn't know what it was. It was like this magical beast, you know, <laughs> that I, wanted, I needed to understand and tame. But you're taking these, like this, this thought of dealing with people each other and and the world outside of you and dealing in a situation that is a scene, something that you can appreciate. I mean, these are all huge lifeless lessons that you can't really teach unless you're living it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But I, you know, I take the music out of it. And hopefully they were learning that too, you Mm -hmm. know, and, and, and that was, you know, always been, but I guess I came out of the fact of where I came from and, and, and what I believe in, I just thought it was very important. And, and so does their mouth think it's very important that they're, they're, human beings that way and that. And that's how you interact with people and you look people in the eye and you treat people from all walks of life uh for what they are and that someone is disadvantaged not because of anything that happened to them but just from their circumstances that it didn't always be that they're all oh, they didn't work hard enough that's why they're like this no
2: mm-hmm.
1: they, you know some of us got a leg up just because we happen to be pop out of one vagina as opposed to another vagina and we're a certain color and we're male instead of female and we're born in north america or we're you know like all these things that we're just Thank you, boys. You won the lottery, right? <laughs> Even there, you got a leg up just starting that way, right? Yeah. You know, and to understand that, right?
2: Yeah.
1: You know, that's, that's the, just don't accept it the way it is. Look at it and understand it. And yeah. then, you know, you can choose what you do, but you should do it from the fact that, you're right, kindness and empathy is where it all comes from. That it's, some people just never have it, and it's not really that instilled. At times, you know. Yeah. When did compassion go out of fashion, sort of thing, right? You know?
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny when you say, look at someone in the eye when you speak to them, and things. Is that <clears throat> I really was a big stickler with um, with uh, manners. Uh, You know, if you're at a restaurant and someone comes with a pad and paper wants to take your order, you look at that person when you make the order because you're giving them the respect that they deserve, you know, and you look looking around and kids looking at the floor and going, kicking the dirt saying, I want this. It's like I was always like with both my kids and they do it now and it almost brings a tear to my eye when they look at them and say, may I please have and you're like, oh my God, because that's what's going to get people through the, you know, through life is just saying please and thank you, right?
1: Just the small little things, the small little things of interaction with people that are happened so daily. It's what's going to make us all more human, and just not that the world is going to hell in a handbasket. No, there's n- lots of wonderful humans, and you go out and influence that every day that you go out there,
2: mm-hmm. right?
1: And that's really where it's, it is. That's the on the on the on, your feet on the ground living that with people. And you're right. Like I, I always. I'm in, uh, you know, I have jobs where I work that are not in music, and I, you know, part of it was how did they treat the lady who was at the front who was the receptionist? How do you treat the the waiter? I've been a waiter, you know, like mm-hmm. if you're treating these people who are your servants like servants, then my friend, you got a big problem in your head because they're not. You're just lucky that that's just the way it is at that moment, and they're just the same as you, and you know, well, there's a song on the album, Janitor Joe. You know, like that guy is no different. I'm Janitor Joe, you know, like we go out and you do your job and you make your money. And you why does Janitor Joe do it? Because he wants to better his life for his kids. And he's saving for a college fund for them. And he's quite willing to work his whole life and scrub toilets and clean the floor and do all that day in and day out. The grind of a nine to fiver get better the lot of his kids.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's our yeah. that's our job as parents is to not um not to take kids down the maybe the path that you went whether it be in life or just in general but you know and you know there's a cutoff point like if you accidentally won the lottery or something like where you had like a five million dollars in your pocket ready to spend and your kids were say at eight and nine well when you start living like a rich person that's like a whole different life for them you know what i mean like they can't cope with that and then all of a sudden the money's gone and then people can't cope you know and you know what's also happening in societies is that parents are telling their kids that they're the most important thing on earth and it's true but you don't need to tell them every five minutes you know what i mean like (laughs) you have to
1: well you 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 mean a lot to me but outside of your parents you really don't mean a lot to other people you're pretty well someone they're going to look at and go what can you do for me yeah yeah you know so but you know having said that i'm not trying to bring you down you're you know you're as precious as you want to be but there there, there, there is like that thing where you hear some guys going well i'm never gonna do that because i'm gonna hire someone to do that
2: mm-hmm. what
1: what yeah, you, no i'm never gonna do laundry i was gonna have someone do my laundry for me what yeah. well, what are you talking about man like just bring it down to the basics of, of taking care of yourself and feeding yourself. And you're right. If you get a lot of money, then, you know, I, sometimes it's hard for those people to, to really get their feet back on the ground, you know, yeah, even, if you're
0: born say that. Even sort of like, even people of all social economic backgrounds, like they, it's sort of a thing, like I, I worked at a university for 10 years and I, there's a bunch of people coming into the university who would have never ever been dealt with sort of rejection or yeah. Or, or uh, they've never had to deal with a, um, someone telling me you're not doing a good job. And, you know, and I meet people like that every day now and I wear my work and I talk to people like that. And I know these people. It's a generational thing where, you know, people are, need to be told constantly that they're doing a good job. And sometimes really? you're not
1: didn't they play board games growing up (laughs) we can't we we can't play board games with us risk is out of bounds right now because that would be full-on fistfights with us and screaming matches but no i'm just kidding there but it's like not really like we're pretty competitive when it gets into certain games we played monopoly the other day and i've got my 15 year old telling my seven year old i'm trying to screw her for you know don't buy that property that's dad just trying to take you down the wrong road Park Place. If she gets Park Place and puts something on it, she's going to bankrupt you. No, no one lands on it. That's screwing you, man. (laughs) Full-on combat, you know, competitive game stuff. They played hockey. They played lacrosse. And as much as you want to say, oh, we're just, you know, they're sportsman-like, right? And they're, they're they're not goofs and that. But, yeah, they do. You have a score at the end of it. You either won or you lost, and they are aware of it, right? Yeah. Well, Some that's, kids are more competitive than others.
0: Absolutely, but that doesn't necessarily <laughs> happen anymore with parents. You know, like we put our kids in soccer, and there's no winners. They're, they even made the they even made the field smaller. It's like, well,
1: well, the funny thing is about soccer is I read a funny book once. The guy was had a whole thing riffing on soccer about it being the most socially acceptable social loafing sport. You can be in soccer and feel like you're on a team. Sorry, soccer fans. There are some great (laughs) soccer players and such, so don't take me wrong here. But your son can run up and down the field or your daughter can run up and down the field, never have to be close to the play, never be exposed for not being good because the play doesn't really come around their way,
2: (laughs) and feel really
1: good about the whole thing. We're something like a hockey or lacrosse. If you're a defenseman and you're not any good, and a guy goes whipping around you and scores, everyone looks like, oh yeah, a defenseman just screwed up, right? And you know it right away. And they get back to the bench and go, "We all need to be this way." But you know, you got about five kids looking down the bench at you, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. As
1: much as you want to wave the magic wand and say that doesn't go on. Oh yeah, right?
0: well, well, during the soccer, but like with with our with our son, there was one football dad that was had his son in soccer and was like almost like offended because he's a he's a football dad you know what i mean he's played football his whole life and and football is a whole different breed of people because there is that whole thing of like you know screaming and getting emotional about it and things like that and he the soccer parents told him like you know what maybe maybe you shouldn't come by anymore um you're kind of kind of scaring the children But he was true. Yeah. He was he was pretty he was pretty uh pretty you know, we every, when we did a trophy, everybody got a trophy, made the kid give his trophy back. He's like, Yeah, you got fourth place, it's not
1: Yeah. No, I I you know, I, I coached hockey, I coached lacrosse, I ref uh, you know, hockey, I've ref lacrosse and it's sort of like it's funny because there is sometimes you sit there and go, wow, these kids would be great if they're all orphans, right? You yeah, know, because right. the parents are are pretty uber weird and intense about stuff, especially hockey. Every parent thinks their kid's going to the big show, et cetera, et cetera, right? And it's just like, yeah. hey, man, I, I lived in Peterborough. I watched guys who went to the NHL, and your kid's good and everything, but he's not like some kid I've watched to go to the NHL. If he's scoring eight or nine goals by the time he's a novice in novice and peewee, he might go to the NHL. Your yeah. kid's good. He's playing all-star. He might get an assist or a goal, or he might even be the best player, but he's not trumping everyone. Yeah. And those are the guys who end up going the whole way, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. They're
1: just so far above everyone, skating, skill wise, everything wise, right?
0: Yeah, and that's genetics. I mean, that's just sometimes yeah. kids. You know, it's funny with music and any sort of form that needs sort of repetitive things. Like you need to. Some people have that gift, you know. And I really, I always thought that. You know, people can kind of be good at anything they want to be good at. You know, it's, it's a nurture thing. It's not necessarily a nature thing, but I'm slowly but surely coming around to realize that some people are just genetically built to be musicians. Some people are genetically well, built to be MMA fighters. Like they're just built. I'm that way. I'm having a
1: conversation. I've had a hundred times around my, around my, uh, around my, 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 uh, kitchen table with my, my parents and my brothers and sisters. There is the nurture nature argument we always have. Yes. Uh, there is a certain sort of genetics that can kind of give you a predisposition to be half decent at you but there's also that ten thousand hour rule that you better have that disposition to put in the time to get good at it right mm-hmm. uh, you could say gee uh, you know you're gonna this is gonna happen to you it's gonna happen to you that's right but then you could also be you were beaten and a whole bunch of horrible things happened to your entire life and that could warp you in a whole different way that you didn't meet that achievement that you thought you were going to meet, right?
0: Oh, yeah, for uh, sure.
1: So nurture versus environment, there's a bit of both there, but you're right. There's people who are artists because they're good because of something that they got, right? There's people who are musicians where it comes a bit more naturally and they can just kind of do that and they want to apply themselves to it because that's their disposition. They're going to be probably better at it than, you know, I've, I've bought basses for my nephew and the one nephew practice all the time to give me a really good bass player. The other guy picked it up, tried it twice, wasn't the best bass player in the world, and it sat under his bed, mm-hmm. right? So that's just, you know, what it, one was a musician, one wasn't, right? Yeah. And and, and and it's just, you know, my family, my brothers and sisters, uh, funny enough, all the ones that are left-handed or are musical, all the ones that are right-handed couldn't even sing or care about music whatsoever.
0: Oh, yeah, you're lefty, right? You're lefty.
1: Yeah, so yeah. It, it went right down that line there where they were like, my brother plays guitar, my sister plays piano, and we can all sing and carry a tune. And the, all the right-handed ones are absolutely useless at that and don't even really care about having music on or buying it in their entire life.
0: That's pretty That's pretty neat. I mean, that is definitely genetics. I mean, you have to...
1: Yeah, that was definitely there. I saw that fairly clearly, the genetic sort of yeah. disposition of that one there.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, my son uh, my son picked up the... I, I gave my son a guitar for for uh, a couple of years ago and it sat there kind of and he played single f- like note stuff for a little bit yep. like he learned the the um, the white stripes doom 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 that's all he knew yeah and yeah. then now he can like i never pushed him into it because i always had this fear of like i'm i'm pushing something into my children's hands and like trying to like i yeah. don't know kind of like somehow Changed their life based on the fact that I had I had some romantic times on the tour and played in bands and mm-hmm. had great, but I also had a lot of shitty times. It was also a lot of heartbreak. So for me as a parent, it's like, do I want to push heartbreak, a potential heartbreak, and, and I'll cut my losses and give him a guitar and see what happens? He learned in my life by the Beatles. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's more there's yeah. chords, there's minor chords in there, you know. And he yeah. learned that all off YouTube, and I'm so proud of him because he actually wanted to learn it. And there was no pushing at my end, and I thought, "Is that there's some sort of there's got to be some sort of Brutus proverb in there somewhere that says you know you know you don't push your children into something and they become something that you'd always want them to be." I don't know. Well,
1: you can turn you can turn them off very quickly if you force it upon them. If they show interest, then I will give them avail to the knowledge that I know to show them. Mm. And in music, I was able to do that, but I'm not gonna say you must do this and that even with Caden like I played drums for a long time and at a pretty good level right mm-hmm. so when we come up to do a song I might have an idea for a drum beat and show him but I want him to make it his own
2: yeah
1: I want him to come up with what feels natural for him and his his group and and same thing like I've always been that way about I'll write the song and here's the structure etc cetera, etc cetera, but each of you kind of add your part and your flavor to it to make it a whole greater whole in that, right? Mm-hmm. And you see that on the album where Jared will write really and Jared got a guitar when he was younger and didn't play it. And then about seven, four three years ago, two years ago, he was like, I feel really bad. I never played the learned how to play the guitar. I feel and I go, well, don't worry about it. Don't 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 beat yourself up about that. And he goes, I may want to try the bass. I go, I'll get you a bass.
2: Yeah.
1: So I got him a bass and again it was like just at the time when, you know, me and my wife were separating and I go, There'd be something to concentrate on that's positive and put it there. And he applied himself to it at that point. It was just, but he was at that age. He was like 15 or 16. He was at 16 and it was at that age where it's like, I want to do this. It wasn't me telling him to do it. He wanted to do it. Mm -hmm. And I showed him the root notes. But after that, I kind of went, you need to go somewhere else to someone who teaches bass and learn how to play bass. Yeah. And he applied himself. He goes home and even when we write a song, we'll come up with a riff and do it. He'll go away and write a part for himself right and right. practice his part right yeah. and, and and that so and same with Caden it's just like hey man you know uh, I'll show you some stuff but unless you do it I, I can't do anything about that yeah you gotta apply yourself and do it and you want to do it or you don't want to do it Yeah, right and at the end of it you tell me you don't want to do it then that's fine we won't do it anymore
0: well that's I mean that's the best part of it is that if you it any, any in every band that starts and, and ends the best um, I guess uh, 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 I guess whatever uh, the take home from it is that we had fun and we're still having fun that's why we're still doing it and we stopped having fun we stopped doing it that's that's always like the, the best ways yeah. that bands sort of lived there's a few bands friends of mine very few of them but one or two of them that actually like were quite successful and just chose not to do it anymore because it was like this isn't what We are as people, you know, we've changed as people. They've been a band their whole life. And then all of a sudden they get some success and they have a record and then they have another record. It doesn't do as well. And they have labels and commitments and tour. And they're like grew up punk rock kids, like in the streets of whatever, like Hamilton. And now they just like, like doing it. And there's something really rewarding to that because it's on your terms.
1: Well, there's there's two things. Being a musician is like making music and making songs and doing that. But then you describe that whole other part of it there, which is like, you know, wanting people to actually listen to what you do. Like, I'm sitting here talking to you, it's because I'm going, hey, listen to a record. Hey, listen to my record. Hey, hey. You know, <laughs> that's that other side of it, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, I, I want people to actually listen to it, and that's what we're doing. You know, and, and but when you're in the band, usually you're more, you'd love, it's great if you can just kind of concentrate on the music aspect of it. What do you like doing? I like writing songs and playing songs and doing the songs and going out and do that. But I also point out to say someone like Caden or Jarrett before we're going to do it, okay, we're going to be doing this, and it's going to mean this, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, understand we're going to be touring, and it's going to mean you're in this city this day, then we're going to this city, then we're going to this city. And some of that may not be fun. We're going to be unloading the van and driving all day and doing – just so you got your head around that. Yeah. So I, I set the expectation of what it is, if not lower. and then what it isn't, they're like, oh, it was actually, wasn't that bad. <laughs> we're going to do a show, and I was like, well, it's probably going to be no one there, and it's not going to be much fun, and da-da-da, and we, didn't, we had a great time a fun time playing on stage, had a really good sound, and it was more people than we thought, and people bought records, and people were up dancing, and at the end of it, it was just like, hey, that was a lot of fun, I go, yeah, but if if we go in going, it's gonna be packed, and we're gonna do great, and everyone's gonna buy it, and and they're just gonna go, well, there's not as many people as I thought was gonna be there, and you know, so just don't get your expectations way overhyped, it's just like... We're a punk rock band, so our, you know I think it could be as big as something, uh, Sum 41 or Green Day, but maybe not. It's probably just going to be a small little thing, and it might grow. There's few people hear at the first album, and then hopefully the next album, more people hear it, and then people start coming out and doing it. Maybe at the third album, it'll get even a little bigger. And if persistence and luck and, and hard work and certain sort of things click in place, it might even get big, or it might not you know yeah. like so it's just kind of you should go in with that expectation but at the end of it did we make a good song did we make a good album that's all that we have the ultimate control over
0: absolutely right? yeah and your own destiny too is is an important yeah. important thing and and being happy with what you've done because you know there's a lot of people out there uh in the industry that want to write a song that sounds like a, a famous song like already before it's famous I mean that's yeah. chasing a crazy dragon. It's chasing like yeah. this dream that you know I've written a song and I've have this idea what new music's going to be like. And in the end of it all, like what you're well, I mean, kind of what you're saying is that what sticks is what feels right, and it's art, and it should be art, and taken yeah. as art. And if it sells tons of yeah. records, that's yeah. the, that's great, that's awesome. But what you take home at twenty years from now, uh, being your sons taking it like. Saying something like, "I really learned a lot about life." Then I didn't. I didn't just yeah. make a bunch of cash or whatever. And you know, it, part of me thinks like this sounds cruel, but part of me thinks that you guys just don't make it and just have like this great experience out of it. That's all. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's well, all...
1: that would be that would be oh the worst thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, at the end of it, like, oh, we didn't make it, but we had a great time playing together and doing this. Yeah. That's the worst possible scenario. Great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, hey, or. We, uh, whatever level of success is the level of success that we had, we tried. If it breaks through and it does, we think we're making some good songs. That's great, too. That happened or it didn't. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You're right. At the end of it, though, we'll probably remember more. The time that we had between the three of us before we went on stage while we were on stage where we're making that record when we're down in the basement making that song when we came up with that re- what do you remember you know like when you listen to a song i sometimes think of, oh i was sitting on my bed when i wrote that or i we wrote that in a practice or i remember when we recorded that or i remember the dinner we went out to it's not like some bigger thing like everyone else will attach the memory they have to that particular song but that's the memory i'll have and you're right it's going to be a wonderful memory that Hey I did that with my two with my my two boys right yeah, and we were yeah. we were a pretty cool rock band,
0: yeah, and when kids are fifteen and it's even like listen i mean I, I know I don't know about your you and your dad, but my dad didn't start we didn't start having real conversations till I was in my thirties, you know what I mean like late twenties really? yeah absolutely you know
1: no, no, we've, we've always there's the one thing I've always done is I remember what I thought like at that particular point, point. and although there's could be a naivety to it, there's also an intelligence that was there so i talked to my kids straight as i can and always have yeah you always want to get the straight shit you'll get it from dad i'll talk and we had we had meaningful i remember my oldest son jared at 19 i remember at seven years old one day he started talking to me about death Mm. and what he thought about religion and where people went so we had a whole conversation in this long car ride home about that
2: yeah I, I didn't
1: shy away from it. These are the different concepts that are out there about religion. These are the different concepts about death. This is what people believe happens or doesn't happen. What do you believe? And then he explained what he thought he believed. I go, is that right, Dan? And I go, it's Does pretty it well as valid as anyone because no one has a definitive answer. Otherwise, it would be out there what exactly happens, right?
2: Yeah, <laughs> right, so, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So,
1: you know, and, so we never shy away from that. And we never shy away from talking about anything. Like we, we talk, you know, like – uh Jarrett was there when his younger brother was born and watched his younger brother be born because he wanted to be there. So we talked very straight always as a family about how things work, how sexuality worked, how babies were born and made, how life is, how this is. And, you know, we have very in-depth conversations always and I want to know what their ideas are. And if I disagree with them, I tell them my point of view. I can be contrarian though. Unfortunately, I can kind of see, the sides and they come from, from both sides, so yeah. I can't give a definitive answer, I really don't think there's a lot of black and white, there's always a lot of shades of grey and everything, and mm-hmm. and even like one of the songs on the album is, I don't know what to believe, because you don't, you hear one story, and you're kind of like, okay, these are the facts that are presented to me because someone pointed a camera or told me certain things, and then it comes down a little while later, am I being played They get my emotions into this or something like that, yeah. so you know at times i don't know what to believe and it's just i just want to do be kind i don't want to harm people that's basically where i'm coming from Mm -hmm. and all this other stuff this media stuff and all this other crap that's going on ah it's fake (laughs) right i'm not saying it's fake news i'm just saying it's not real like borders aren't real you know these are concepts that we hold in our mind right these aren't realities that are really real right
0: yeah 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 i was watching uh this new Letterman thing on uh, on Netflix, the Barack Obama thing, and yeah. how he explains sort of like how your brain perceives news. I mean, if you look at something and yeah. go, "Oh, this is real," because it's been told to me. There's a reptilian part of your brain that believes what you're told and gives yeah. it like a fair shake. But that's super dangerous because how this media and how everything sort of like built now is it has its own agenda, and it starts with right. a judgment before it starts with any sort of objectivity which is dangerous, especially with yeah. young minds. I mean, it's it's super crazy. It's scary. Well,
1: it's to understand that and become savvy. As soon as someone points a camera at something and then juxtapositions it with another image, they're trying to influence you of how you're reacting to it. I can show a picture of you and then show a picture of an audience of a bunch of people frowning and looking like they're about to be sick. Or I could show the same picture of you and have a bunch of people with a pleasant look on their face Mm -hmm. and show it to two different people. And at the end of it, they would go, that's a bad man. People don't like him. And it's the exact same picture of you. But I influenced it by how I juxtapositioned it. I pointed the camera at something. I had a point of view. And I present it to you a certain way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I read a cool book called sapiens, when it talks about all that and the, the way that, you know, where we came as a society and, and it gets right up into like modern day about how our brains are just basically what, what is happiness, you know, are you in love or is it just, you're in love with the fact that it releases a certain endorphin in your brain. Right. Yeah. Oh, I love that feeling. So I want to do that feeling again. Let me hit on the feeder bar for that. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, in. I was re- I was looking at something today that they say that the human brain's actually shrinking. <laughs> it's actually shrinking. Yeah. We're getting it's getting smaller. They're losing certain it's parts of it.
2: Smaller. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a good way to lead That's a good way to end off. Our brains are getting smaller. Yeah. That's
1: a good way to end off, isn't it? <laughs> hey, man, it was a good conversation.
0: Yeah, man. It was awesome. I really, you know, it was, it was nice to. If we have met, it's been in super passing. But I do like I said, I know Ron really well, and I, and I know and obviously know Snow Dogs, and now I know the Discarded. In your record manifesto and see i just did the drop there that's the media thing that's that's what media pre- there you go like that it's pretty smooth right well i
1: really like the weather you put that in there the thank, I really you. thank you really hope you like the uh, manifesto that we get coming your way you have
0: traffic weather and sports coming up uh we're at uh 10
1: yeah.
0: that's uh yeah. 21 minutes to the top of the hour
1: <laughs> okay uh, yeah i look forward to seeing you come and say hello and you're you're there in Barry or
0: Kingston. I, I am, am there in Barry, Barry and, and with Kingston. With a name,
1: okay, Simon.
0: Absolutely, man. Nice to talk to you.
1: Yeah, you take care
0: now. That was JP Wasson from the band The Discarded. <sighs> I hope I feel better today. I don't feel well. Sorry, this episode came out a day late, everybody. I was uh, not feeling well, and I've been busy, busy, busy working. And um, yeah, no, it's good. Everything's good. Got me a new job. It looks like it's pretty much official. I'm going to be the technical director and production manager at the Richmond Hill Center for the Performing Arts. Just waiting on the the title to change over, but it's pretty much a go. So hooray for me. I'm a boss. Hey. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for shopping on Amazon and supporting the show. Going to AppleLog.ca slash Amazon or AppleLog.ca slash USAmazon. Don't forget to, um, support the show on a monthly basis, uh, using, by, by Patreon, by going to patreon.com slash Appalogue. And, uh, yeah, Facebook. I don't know, I know I've been a little lax on it, but it's, like I said, it's a new year. I'm busy. Trying to keep everything all in order. Next week, um, who do I got next week? I'm going to tell you who I got next week. Oh, I got my friend Andre Tompros from, uh, who's a, who's a dude down in L.A. He does dude stuff down in L.A. So, um. Have a good week. See everybody. Don't get this sickness that I got.